Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free and Anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, this is Larry Dottilio, writer for He Man and Beast Wars, and you are listening to the Geekcast Radio Network. And the Masters of the Universe. Hello, this is Optimus Solo, and welcome to the 124th chapter in our Powers of Grayskull series. With me for this journey into the Masters of the Universe franchise is TFG and Mike. Hello. Hello. People thought they were done with us. We continue to keep going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, long time no talk. Last time we talked, we talked about the 2002 He-Man series. Yep. Um and people might have thought we were done, but are you ready to return to Eternia, sir? Kind of, sort of. Well really. then, ready or not, what are we going to be talking about in today's episode? There's no okay. more cartoons. No more for now. There's no more cartoons for now. Now right. we are transported back thirty-four. Yeah, thirty. Yeah, thirty-four years ago. Good Lord, we're old. Uh, I'm old. 34 years ago, 1987, the live-action He-Man and the Masters of the Universe film starring Dolph Lundgren, Frank Langella. Thankfully, I don't have to actually look at anything to remember that, because hello. (laughs) Uh, Directed by Gary Goddard, it was released August 7th, 1987. Interesting that they did that, because that is one year and one day before the epic release of August 8th, 1986 in Transformers, the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> interesting. So yes, this is going to be our commentary on the film. We are actually going to watch the film and comment on it as we go along. We will be doing a countdown here in a few moments, so we are both synced up so we can each watch it on our own. Okay. So yeah, so if you have a DVD version or if you have the ability to pull it up on whatever streaming mm-hmm. platform or... Uh, you know, whatever methods you have, this is be the time to get it queued up and we'll let you know when to start. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, so let me ask you, did you, you were six years old when this came out. Correct. Did you see this in theaters? Did your parents take, did your, uh, you know, I'm 95% sure that we saw this in theaters because I had already seen the transformers movie in theaters the year before. Um, and I'm pretty sure this was, might've been the next film we went to, unless there was some type of like animated thing that we went to. We didn't go to a lot of movies, but I, for some reason, remember going to this one. Now that could be just me remembering wrong. Cause like you said, I was six and I don't specifically remember it, but for some reason I want to say that, yes, I did see this in the theater. 
I was seven, and I don't think I saw this in the theater. I I don't. Not a lot of people did. (laughs) Well, right, but I mean, like, and, and again, you know, for me, the first film I actively remember seeing in theaters uh is most likely Batman 89 or something like that. I know I did not cuz again, we weren't we went to the theaters but we weren't a theater go we were like, you know, let's just wait till it hits cable, wait till it hits VHS. Obviously back then you're waiting 2 or 3 years versus, you know, 6 months, which is what or, you know, hell, now that the pandemic has hit us, you know, oh, hey, guess what? Streaming at home. Yay. Which I'm all I'm all for that. Like, <laughs> you know what? As much as I respect and love and I've had a love for movie theaters for years, for my entire life, at this point in my life, I want to control my media. Mm-hmm. I don't want to deal with, you know, I, I just mentioned this in an episode of Studio 2009 where um, Mike the Birdman Dodd is helping me do uh, 12 months of Star Wars. We're going through every episode of... Um, all nine films of uh, the Star Wars uh, right. the Skywalker saga thing. And I just mentioned this to him. I'm like, I want to control the media. I don't want to have to worry about going to the bathroom and missing something. I can just pause it and be fine. You know? So yeah, yeah I do more not, convenient, especially if you have like a theater in your basement or something like that. Like you do. <laughs> <laughs> Comes Home in handy. Theater, folks. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So we hope you are ready because it is time to head to Eternia in this. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Masters of the Universe 1987 film commentary. You're going to hear the trailer right here. At the far end of the universe, there is a planet ruled by a being of utter evil. And there is only one man who dares challenge him. They are locked in a battle to the death. A battle that will take them across the heavens. Stop him! A battle that will finally be fought. I want them to get out and brought to me! Across the face. Please! Nobody move! Of Earth. 
think I'm gonna need some backup. Can you show us the way? Of distant galaxy, they have come to Earth. Dolph Lundgren as He-Man, Frank Langella as Skeletor. Only they have the powers to be. Masters of the Universe, live the adventure. And now we will do a countdown. In three, two, one, play. All right. First up, the company logo, Canon. Um, mm-hmm. They would not be in business much longer. <laughs> this was one of, they were doing this and they were doing something else. Um, they had plans to do a Spider-Man movie, like a big time, big budget Spider-Man movie. And because this one and whatever the other film was didn't do too well, they never got to do that Spider-Man film. So very short lived. You saw Canon first. Yeah, when I'm mine's oh. going through Gary Goddard and Dolph Lundgren and all the names on the screen. We probably have two different versions, so we'll have to. Yeah, this version that I'm doing started out with the MGM logo, and now okay. it's in association with. Ed, now I see Gary's name. Okay, I'll get you. I'll get caught up with you for a second, because the first thing we're going to see is uh, Castle Grayskull. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing that yet? Yep, right now. All right. Interesting thing about this set right here, it became the biggest set uh, ever used within the last 40 years in a movie. They took two sound stages and broke the wall in the middle of it down so that it was two sound stages combined. Um, So it's a very large set for some reason to capture that Castle Grayskull. It looks you know the like mo- a very cool design too. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know the movie poster for this one should have kind of signified to everybody right away that there was going to be some weird things about this film, um, <laughs> because the movie poster has Dolph Lundgren as, as He Man standing in the middle of it, mm-hmm. and then it's got the two kids at the bottom holding a device, and then it has Skeletor's head above it. So you can kind of see right from the get go that like it's not going to look like the cartoon. No. Um, now they stated that they weren't trying to base this off of the cartoon. They were trying to base this off of the toy line. Yeah. So it was not supposed to necessarily look hand in hand with what the cartoon did. But I think that's one of the things that probably was the biggest, um, surprise to viewers, to fans, you Mm -hmm. know, when we're watching the cartoon and we're used to how things look and this, that, and the other, and then you go, you know, you know, it's going to be live action. So it's going to be a little bit different, but when you show up and there's so many differences from the cartoon, I think it threw a lot of people off. Like, is this a He-Man movie or is this just something else with the He-Man name? Cause they had, go ahead. And I swear I read an article or something with the director, Gary Goddard, where he was more influenced by Jack Kirby's fourth world stuff. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. And I mean, obviously some of it is just from a, um, what was possible at the time. Mm-hmm. from a budget standpoint and things like that, like they can't make a flying Orco in this movie. They can't make, you know, battle cat and cringer. It's not, you know, it took us until just a couple of years ago to do that type of stuff. So, but yep. 
Um, we're seeing that it's interesting too, that the film starts off with, uh, with Skeletor and we're on Eternia. So yeah. you don't get a lot of Eternia in this movie, but we start here and I think this is a great setup. Yeah. This is an amazing scene. Regardless of, uh, regardless of how you feel. Yeah. Right. The black stormtroopers, <laughs> which we do get a lot of robots, almost reminiscent of like Hordax horde robots, mm-hmm. which we wouldn't see normally in a He-Man universe because you get, um, you know, you, you get the evil warriors, you don't get robots, but they were forced to do that because of, um, Mattel, who was given gave, basically gave them a directive that He-Man or any of the good characters could not kill anybody. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, you know, it's it's coming off the heels of Optimus Prime dying and Duke being put in a coma, and now you can't kill anybody. Holy crap! Look at Skeletor. Yeah, Skeletor is amazing in this film. Regardless of how you feel about any of the other characters and the looks and this, that, and the other, I think Skeletor was perfect. Mm-hmm. And Frank Langella was great. It was nice to see somebody that was actually excited about the role and who didn't try to shit on it later. Yeah, exactly. Dolph Lundgren cannot say the same thing. <laughs> he was kind of mean after the fact about this and acting like it was beneath him. And I like that Langella was like mature enough to be like, you know what? I, I'm not so proud that I can't do a fun kids movie. He did it for his son, who was a big He-Man fan. So and it's interesting, too, that we get to see the sorceress basically captured right off the bat. Right. Skeletor has already won for now. Right. So Sorceress is, is being held captive by, um, by Skeletor, which is a interesting way to start. It kind of gets us right off the bat. Like, Oh shoot, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I do not, I do not like her design. In this. No, I'm not a huge fan of hers either. They took away most of the color and made it all like white, um, yeah. crystalline and, you know, see-through type stuff. And I was more of a fan of the kind of the rainbow, not the rainbow, but the multicolor thing that we the get. And most blue, of the orange and white. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, the sorceress is played by Christina pickles. Um, who interestingly plays the mother of Courtney Cox on friends later on in life. <laughs> Courtney Cox obviously appears in this movie as well. We have Skeletor doing like a holographic uh, vision to He-Man. It's the first time we get to see He-Man. Um, interesting part about He-Man. I don't mind the outfit. I don't mind the look of him. I think Dolph Lundgren at the time was a good choice um, mm-hmm. to play him. Um, but interesting that we will see no Prince Adam in this movie. Yeah, no, he's He-Man the whole time. And there, and again, it. I've said this before. I, I said this recently with the cartoons. Sadly, the 2002 series only got 39 episodes. Mm-hmm. And back in the day, we were only worried about episode by episode. We weren't worried about an overall continuity in the 80s. They were doing, right. you know, single stories. Comics is where they can flush all that out. It really, really is. And they have. DC has done an amazing job doing various Masters of the Universe comics for a while now. And... I think the only thing I don't like about He-Man in this is the power sword looks very wimpy. And he's also shooting people. Yeah, I don't like that either. Which he never did, really. Um, it's just it's interesting that we take one of the main things about He-Man, which is the transformation from Adam to He-Man and back and forth, and we just eliminate that from this whole show. We get to see Man-at-Arms and um, Tila in this yep. sequence, um, which obviously they have a different look. Man at arms. I mean, he's kind of close. He's still got the helmet. He's still got some of the armor and stuff like that. He's got um, the mustache. Yeah. So he looks close. Tila doesn't really look at all like Tila. I like this version better than the cartoon version, honestly. <laughs> um, 
I don't know, maybe it's just the actress, but she doesn't yeah. come off as, as bitchy as Tila does in a lot of things. The other interesting thing about um, Dolph Lundgren, who, who's playing He-Man right here, is that he, obviously he's a Swedish uh, actor, mm-hmm. and they were very worried about him, his voice. So, oh, yes. So the original plan was to not have his voice be featured at all. Like oh, he wow. was supposed to be physically the the character, and then once they were done, they were going to redub his voice with somebody that sounded more, uh, with less of an accent um, that could have come off more, I guess, English or you know, American maybe. Nineteen eighty seven. Um, you know what they could have done? Yeah, they could have done a voice actor. They but, could have uh, just gone, had John Irwin gone into right. a booth and read the lines because I think if John Irwin, if they went that route, and John Irwin was. Right. We see Gildor for the first time here. Right. Uh, you know, if John Irwin was the voice, I think a lot of people would have liked this more at the time. Right, absolutely. Um, and it was just another one of those things that came down to budgets. Like, they weren't able to um, yeah. have the time to redub his lines, so Dolph Lundgren's voice remained in there, even if it comes off as obviously being a little bit different from everybody else's. So, um, John, John Cypher's playing Man-at-Arms there. I believe it's Chelsea Field who's playing Tila. And then we get Gwildor, who is Billy Barty. Yep. Um, and obviously Gwildor is there instead of Orko. That yep. is that is specifically, like, that was a choice. That's not just, like, another random character. That is a character that is mainly right. supposed to almost be taking Orko's role. Yeah. Um, but they couldn't he, do Orko. He's very... He's very yogurt in yeah. my mind, watching this again. He's mm-hmm. very just the size of the character, the character design, it's very Mel Brooks, Spaceballs, yogurt. And yeah. by far, this was my favorite part of this film is the cosmic key. I always right. wanted the cosmic key tones. I always wanted that stuff. Right. Right. As a kid. Oh, apparently there was like four versions of the cosmic key that they had on set as far as props go. Cool. Um, and I guess it was so fragile and so easily broken that they just had to like have people on hand at all times to put it back together every time it broke. <laughs> but I guess it was hard to keep together because of all the different parts and how it kind of like expands and different stuff like that. And then we get to see obviously right here. Yep. But yeah, interesting setup here. Um, obviously, we're seeing Eternia here at the beginning of the film. It's gonna we're gonna see the whole middle of the film all take place on Earth. And then we'll see Eternia pop up again at the end of the movie. So um, that was another cost-cutting way of, for them to save some money is to do most things at Earth so they didn't have to come up with otherworldly sets. Right. Outside of the few they did, obviously, with Castle Grayskull there at the beginning and, and where we're at right now. Um, Master Universe did not do very well at the box office. No, um, it did not. <laughs> had a budget of about $22 million and uh, brought in about seventeen. Um, and that's not counting all the other, you know, stuff that goes along with making a movie and stuff like that. Uh, you can say it became a cult favorite afterwards, you know, on VHS, DVD, whatever you want to say, but, uh, box office, not so great. It had a 17% at Rotten Tomatoes. So it's not a great score, obviously. Continuing to see, obviously, Man-at-Arms, Tila and He-Man meeting Gwildor, talking to Gwildor, finding out about, uh, what's going to set up the rest of the movie, basically. <clears throat> we got our first introduction to some more of the evil characters. 
Um, yep. And this is where it kind of goes like up to this point, we've seen Skeletor, we've seen the Sorceress, we've seen He-Man, Man-at-Arms, Tila. Yes, we've been introduced to Gwildor, but you could be like, well, that's just for this movie type thing. It's not until they start introducing the evil warriors that you're like, wait, what's going on here? Because these aren't characters that we're used to. Yeah. We have, yeah uh, I was not used to Blade or right. Karg and all that. Sarad. Yeah, the only one that the only one that is uh, from the series outside of Evil Lynn is Beastman. Nobody else exists from the cartoon that we're used to. Yep, and of course we get robots like stormtroopers everywhere. Yeah. So obviously Skeletor and his minions have taken over much of Eternia and basically claimed victory. They got the sorceress captured. He Man, Man at Arms, and Tila are basically almost on like a stealth mission. It's reminiscent to star Wars um, at times when they're at uh, Naboo trying to sneak around because yep. they've been captured and whatnot, similar to that where they're trying to go in and out the windows or different, you know, doorways and things like that. Hey, at least the this, sneak. they weren't trying to scale up the window. Oh God. I hated that. Right. So that scene in the, we got the good. Got the Olympic, uh, the Olympic flame back there on fire there. The everlasting flame. Pretty sure that's the same one from the Olympics. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh Lord, I agree with you. I don't care for the sorceress in this. She looks like a Christmas tree. She looks like a really, really poorly lit Christmas tree. Is what she looks like. One like. of those weird toppers on. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like I'm pretty sure you can buy her her crown and put it on a Christmas tree, and it would be the same purpose. Probably, most likely. They said they designed Castle Grayskull as kind of like the house of all power in Eternia mm-hmm. um, without trying to designate whether it was good power or bad power. So as we get to see different parts of, of Castle Grayskull, you'll see that like one level is more dedicated to like good, and then the mm-hmm. other level has a lot more evil aspects because... They were kind of saying, you know, evil or the power doesn't know good or evil. It just exists. So mm. that's why we get kind of a gray skull that has multi dimensions to it. It looks differently. And obviously we get the appearance now of evil Lynn and Skeletor back to confront. Yup. Evil Lynn's crazy. Um, the, she's played by, um, Meg Foster, I believe. Yep. Um, and her eyes are very evil looking and it's a hundred percent natural. Like she has these crazy eyes in real life that like look like they're a, a science fiction, like effect, mm-hmm. but it's, it's just her eyes. I guess a lot of people thought for years that like she was using some type of weird contacts in this movie to make her look like more evil and more like sci-fi ish, but those are her natural eyes. So when you get a chance to see them, definitely look look at that. It's kind of interesting. And I guess her costume was so heavy. I want to say it was like 50 pounds or 45 pounds or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess it like left bruises like on her legs and her groin area and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, after she would have to wear it. But she said it helped um, her kind of like stay in character because she was so restricted in her movements. Um, and if you watch the movie, I'm going to have to watch carefully this time as we're watching the movie, because I read online that, uh, you're, you're never going to see her sit because of her outfit. Right. Like, I don't think she, I don't think she has the capability of sitting down and, while wearing it. 
That wouldn't surprise me. Right. She didn't because she's not the only one. Um, Pons Mar is the name of one of the other guys. Um, I want to say it's um, Sarad, one of the other evil mm-hmm. warriors. You'll never see him mm-hmm. sit either. So some of these costumes are very restrictive. Oh, I don't doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> Most costumes in the 80s films were very restrictive. Right. I mean, you know, again, briefly, because we just released the Batman 89. Uh, well, we will release Batman 89 for uh, uh, Studio 2009. Um, yeah. Uh, Keaton's first costume. Oh, yeah. Was, you know, restrictive. I mean, you can even way. you can even see it on Eva Lynn. That is just a massive piece of metal that she's wearing from basically her whole torso, chest, stomach, you know, groin mm-hmm. area. Yep. So this is where we're going to be leaving Eternia here shortly. So take in whatever you want to from the visuals here, because you're not going to get to see much <laughs> more of it. No. <laughs> Till the end. Yep. Jump through the. Uh, <laughs> The time corridor? The corridor here. <laughs> the time corridor. <laughs> this is like one of the first times where it's looking a little cheesy. And I mean, obviously you're going to have the you know the laser beams being shot that look obviously very 80s-ish, Star Wars-ish. But then when we have these people flying through the time corridor, it's like, ooh, okay, we'll just mm-hmm. s- <laughs> suspend uh, reality for a little while here while we watch this. Yep. I did like the effect where they shoot the grapple back. Yeah, that was good. And grab the cosmic key. And Frank Langella yeah. is just so good with Skeletor. He is. His voice, so his, his mannerisms, the way he's moving. I don't know what kind of stuff he has on his costume besides, you know, the robe and the whatever else. But uh-huh. I don't know. I, I mean, he looks like he's moving fairly fine. And he looks like he's fine in that skull mask. Yeah. I could be completely... No, I didn't. I'm saying that, but I don't. I didn't read anything about him having any costume problems. Really, it was mainly uh, some of the other characters that did. Yeah. Oh, here they're flying back in, looking ridiculous. <laughs> and now we're on Earth. Yep. So Wildor can't swim, apparently. So this is like one of those fish out of water type um, situations. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Where we're gonna have all these characters on Earth and they know nothing about the customs, they're walking around in the medieval garb with swords and shit. So it's mm-hmm. it's funny. So Yeah, Gwildor definitely can't swim. No. So interesting too that we didn't get to see any other you know, they kept it very limited as far as the masters that we see. The whole movie is titled Masters of the Universe, but we get to see three of them. Um Yeah. I mean, technically four if you count the sorceress, but she was never well, really. I mean, but yeah, yeah. I, mean, I get, I get that you're not going to be able to do Stratos and anybody that's yeah. flying of that nature. Um, and a lot of the other masters had different, you know, uh, gimmicky type of things. Like you're not going to have Mechanic, can't do the neck thing. You're not going to have Manny faces. Probably too hard to do the face thing. Mm-hmm. Ramman, you could probably have, but he would never be able to like ram anything. He would, but it would just like his right. design. Yeah, his design. You would have to basically just copy the filmation design and just have him run into stuff. It wouldn't. There would be no effect. There would be no bounce, bounce, which is crazy because look what Star Wars did almost well ten years before this. 
Right. You know, I mean, Star Wars did a whole lot of stuff, even though it doesn't in the grand scheme of things nowadays, Star Wars, there's much more technology now, but like compare this to that Star Wars did right. a hell of a lot more than what this movie did. Absolutely. So since they're trying to track the, the key and whatever else, and they haven't found it yet, I want to bring up the fact that La La Land Records in 2012 released a two-disc score for this film. And sadly, it's now out of print. There's one one copy available on Amazon for $50. Oof. Now, normally, La La Land Records stuff ranges between 20 and depending on what like, I mean, a lethal weapon for, you know, a lethal weapon for CD, you know, kind of, you know, all four film kind of thing that's going to go for like a hundred bucks. But this thing, oh, I wish I had it because it says on CD two cosmic key music, 14 seconds. Hmm. I'm like, Oh, damn you. <laughs> and I'm sure I can find it on YouTube or whatever, but it, it just, I need the music, man. Right. You know, you were talking about uh, Skeletor's uh, costume and mask and different things like that. I didn't find anything that said that it was necessarily hard for him to wear. I did find an interesting piece of trivia, though, that Skeletor's mask found new life after this movie and appeared on the sets of Star Trek The Next Generation in 1987 and Star Trek Deep Space Nine 1993 as the face of um, a skull-faced alien that Lieutenant Worf often fights on the holodeck. So now I'm going to have to like find those episodes and like find Skeletor's <laughs> mask and that. But uh, we got our first look at the, the main human, one of the main humans that we're going to be following throughout the rest of this, which is, of course, none other than the main first appearance of Courtney Cox to the world. Yep. So the future friend star, scream star, whatever else you want to say, uh, basically got her first big movie right here. Mm-hmm. Ace Ventura. Yeah. She this is probably... The uh, this is the most I could put up with her because after this I really didn't care for her and anything else. <laughs> it's funny I don't mind her as as Melissa in uh, in Ace Ventura. She's yeah. the the publicist yeah, or whatever she is. Uh, she could have been thing. like a decent like April O'Neil or somebody like that, but I just did not like her in on Friends. Um, I, I don't like favorite. I don't like Friends in general. I don't like that. Days I don't like Friends. I, I, I've never liked Friends ever since the '90s. Ever since I was you know a kid in yeah. the '90s, I always found Seinfeld funnier. The only thing I really ever reference Friends for is oh, they went to a Hootie and the Blowfish concert. Cool. Yeah. I mean, you I like I like a lot of the other characters. I just didn't care for her. This uh, Robbie's Ribs and Chicken. Mm-hmm. Uh, this restaurant here um, is the that location is randomly and kind of weirdly that is the place where rodney king gets beat up in a couple years after this Ooh, yeah that was where his that was where that happened where he got abused <sighs> so just happens to be in the same building that was repurposed obviously for something else mm. and then we get her uh her boyfriend kevin i didn't you had to say his name didn't you yeah well his name is your name now that's played by this kevin corrigan played by robert duncan mcneil yeah um who I, he was on, um, he was also in a Star Trek, Star Trek Voyager, um, was one of his best known roles, Lieutenant Tom Paris. Hmm. Interesting. For anybody that's a Star Trek fan, that's where you would mainly see him way later on in life. Um, so yeah, we get the, the interesting aspects, you know, obviously if you're listening to this with audio, you'd be picking up a lot of the kind of the fish out of water stuff that we were talking about before, where they're coming across things that are not familiar to them. Like we already saw the cow, 
um, mm-hmm. and we're going to see, you know, different things like that, where they're just like, they don't quite understand what it is, what to do about it, how to act, things like that. Dolph Lundgren, like I was talking about before, um, said that uh, working on this film was a nightmare. Said the shooting schedule was five months, including two months of night shooting. Said he was approached to do a sequel during the shooting and turned down the offer. Um, Because there was a sequel that was going to be made if this movie would have done better. Oh, wow. He did later tell um, in a website interview of some sorts that it was when he was getting ready for the release of The Expendables in 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, he did mention that he would return to appear in a new Masters of the Universe movie as either a cameo or He-Man, whatever he was able to pull off. Hmm. Obviously, he couldn't have pulled off He-Man at that point in his life, but mm-hmm. he could he pull off an old. He could have yeah. pulled off an old He-Man, and honestly, <laughs> since, since we're talking about him, since Wildor is trying to figure out the chicken and whatever else, um, you know. Ever since the Expendables, I have a new respect for Dolph as an <laughs> older actor now, and I really think he could pull off a, an old He-Man or hell, even a King Grayskull or something like that. You know, I feel like Gwildor could have played could have pulled off uh, appearing in the Lord of the Rings franchise. Isn't this technically <laughs> part? Isn't this like pre-Hobbit? I mean, he made, <laughs> all the other uh, dwarves and whatnot would have fit right in. Not some of them. Not uh, t- too much of a fan. Tila's not a fan of the chicken wing. No. Gwildor and Man at Arms doing a they little better with. I like it. Yeah. yeah. Um. And- but yeah, we'll t- we'll talk about it a little bit more later. But there is a lot of information out there. Not a lot of. I shouldn't say a lot of information, but a lot of sites that are um, addressing the fact that there was going to be a sequel. Mm-hmm. Um. I got to say, after hearing the premise of what it was going to be like, I'm kind of glad that it didn't happen. Um, (laughs) The main idea here is that it was going to, you know, obviously take place years later um, and that it was going to be, uh, it was going to include She-Ra. It was going to include Trapjaw and I can't remember who else, somebody else. Um, but it was weird because Skeletor was going to be like masking, masquerading around as like an evil, like, um, like a almost like a sports agent, but not a sports agent, like a you know, like a bigwig, like a Wall Street type bigwig, or like a rich person. And He Man was going to come back and be masquerading as a quarterback for a football team or something. Like it sounded so ridiculous. <laughs> So basically what you're saying is, is Rod Tidwell. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Well, versus Jay Moore. Yeah, it was going to be bad. That's what it was going to be. Like, I would have been fine for seeing those other characters, like especially Shira mm-hmm. and whatnot. But yeah. I don't want He Man to be playing a quarterback, mm-hmm. and I don't want I don't want the evil like the you know executive Skeletor. <laughs> so 
Oh, look, the kids found the cosmic key. Music maker. Music maker. (laughs) What would you do if you found something like that and you're holding it in your hand and it's lighting up like that? Mm, Probably put it back where it belongs. (laughs) Put it back on the ground. Yeah, just... I I guarantee I'm not going to start hitting buttons, I don't think. (laughs) I'd be afraid that it was going to explode or something if I hit something. Well, when we first see it in the ground, the giant red light is blinking. You'd think that they wouldn't have touched it because a giant red light is blinking. Don't these kids know? Yeah. And now Skeletor's is is giant red light is blinking, so it's been activated. Trying to track it from one to the other, and I forgot that we do get to come back to Eternia here and there to see Skeletor as they. Yeah, it's it's also a funny movie if you try to put like all the different sci-fi terms and like language that they throw in it, mm-hmm. parsecs and things like that, or weird things, not necessarily He-Man like, but they throw it in there. Yeah, again, going back to Goddard wanting to homage uh, Jack Kirby's Fourth World. Yeah. Oh, Van of the Eighties. Oh, creepy, this is this reminds me of Back to the Future. Oh yeah, it, it so almost looks like the same stage. Yeah, like it's they're getting set up for the what was the the ball the what was uh, the name Ch- Enchantment Under the Sea dance. Yeah, the Enchantment Under the Sea dance. Except for we got oh. a little bit different setup here. Yeah, I, I I really do think it's almost the exact same stage, and that would be kind <laughs> of interesting considering that um, uh, Strickland is in this movie. Oh yeah. Yep, I forgot about him. Oh, we haven't seen him yet. No, we we won't see him for a while yet. But uh, James Tolkien yep. plays Detective High Hugh Lubick. Excuse me, not High. He's not High, but he's Hugh. But yep. obviously, most people know him as Mister Strickland from Back to the Future. Yep, slacker. <laughs> Good stuff. Oh look, a musical light show. You fool, put it down. And there's also this part in the, in not this part specifically where they're on Eternia looking for the cosmic key. Oh, I, I like that effect, though. Even though it's a very cheap effect, I love the, the spatial effect of how they're trying to track the right. planet. You know, kind of thing. I, yeah, but that it, yeah, that is very cool for the time. That's good for computer graphics at that time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was. But there's also this underlying story thing in this movie where her parents are dead. Right. I believe, or her parents could die or something like that. That's the graves graves sites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. Like, they are dead, but oh, wait, you know, they don't have to be. We see a couple of the the people that they got here. We got Beastman and Karg and Sarad and. And Blade and whatnot. Um, I think it was Karg, or whichever one is the the lizard type guy that you mm-hmm. see his neck like inflate and like mm-hmm. go back and forth. He has a he has a straw of some sort that is connected to his mouth that he can inflate and deflate that while uh, he's in this costume. So Beastman being the only one that we get um, from the from old the one. Yeah, Blade was the one that always like I don't know. That was the one that I found intriguing or interesting or awesome as a kid mm-hmm. obviously Karg and sarad or whatever are, are freaky looking so i wasn't drawn to them but i remember thinking blade was kind of badass 
he was one that also had a very um, restrictive costume. And at one point he had a lot more blades to it. It was covering a lot more of his body. Mm. Um, but in order for him not to basically overheat and whatnot, they had to remove parts of it so that his arms were free um, so that he could breathe a little bit easier. Wow. But yeah, he had like these huge like metal pieces that were covering his whole body at one point. And then they wanted him to be in all kinds of makeup um, which he didn't want to do. So he like negotiated with them and said, what if I just shave my head um, instead? And I guess they said that was good enough. So that's why he's bald in this. He's also responsible for doing most of the choreography and the um, building up of any of the fight sequences, especially the two main ones. Um, he had some expertise in that realm. So he wasn't just acting in this movie, but he was also choreographing a lot of the action sequences because he is, known as not only an actor, but a stuntman and a fight choreographer. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, he was uh, known for his roles in Highlander, the series. Uh, that's where he was, did some stuff in some of the Indiana Jones. Um, he, he taught Michelle Pfeiffer how to use a bullwhip for her role as Catwoman. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, yeah, he had a lot of experiences with fight choreography, stunt work, and things like that. So he played a huge part in this film. Obviously, we have the evil warriors now being assembled, sent to Earth. Yep. And they're trying to scare Courtney Cox, scream style. <laughs> Janitor. <laughs> Janitors always get the shaft. Yep. What was your opinion on Beastman? Overall, he's in, inconsequential. I mean, I mean, I'm not expecting him to have full vocabulary kind of thing. Like, I don't right. expect any of these characters in this movie to, you know, it's, carry on a conversation like they would in the cartoon series. But it just outside think, of Evelyn and Skeletor, none yeah. of the characters real. Even Blade, Blade was kind of cool, and I, like you said, kind of curious about him. But like. Beastman right here is basically just, you know, preparing her for her scream days, essentially. Yeah. I mean, you would have thought that they could have turned Sarad, I think that's the right one, into like one of the Snake Men, almost like a Cobra Khan type character. Yeah. And you would think Beastman would not have been the go-to guy to recreate if they were going to create anybody. I would have thought like Triclops, maybe, mm-hmm. um, could have been easier done, eas- more easily done than Beastman. Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah. They didn't do terrible with Beastman. I mean, he doesn't look super cheesy. No, but at the same time, he doesn't. Do, I mean, he does less here than he does in the actual cartoon series. I mean, right, right. That's that's the only thing. Like again, these evil warriors are not here for uh their <laughs> say intelligence, but you know, the, they're basically here for fodder. And the core of the movie is Skeletor, Evelyn, and He Man. Right. At, least at first, I didn't know if. Uh, Karg, I think that's the one. Is Karg the one with the white hair? Yep. I, at first, I didn't know if that was a male or a female character. Because mm. the hair makes it almost look feminine. Mm-hmm. But Courtney Cox just running through like a what is this, like a warehouse type situation? Yeah, it's some like sort of when you're trying to run away from these guys i don't think yeah no i guess there's a lot of places to hide but you're, you usually want to go around people yeah it's some sort of warehouse district or something right 
Oh, of course, she runs right into He-Man's arms. Mm-hmm. She's freaked out because he also looks like an alien. But it's don't okay. worry, I, I'm going to talk I'm to you in sweet it. Swedish accents, and uh, <laughs> you're going to be feeling comfortable. Uh, and of course, the standard male female pickup, you know. Yeah. Pose. Look in there. I love how Karg just like makes the stormtroopers like look in random boxes. Uh-huh. I'm just gonna call them stormtroopers or horde troopers. I don't know. Oh yeah, whatever they are. Hell, at this point, we could call them dark troopers. That's true. Very true. It's just interesting when you know thinking back to the first time you ever watched this movie. It's definitely at this point that you're you're almost having a battle within yourself on if this is a He-Man movie or not. You know what I mean? Like they're on earth. We have humans, we have random characters that we don't know who they are. We have He-Man though. And we have a couple other characters. So it's like, you're just not quite sure what to make of it. I don't think at this point it's all, it's, I don't know. You know, we're used to as children of the eighties, we're used to watching things like, you know, turtles or transformers or whatever series you want that always were throwing like the human characters like as a kid mm-hmm. like you would it'd be like oh here's a bunch of robots and we're gonna give you one human character that's also young you know a child of some sort um and they mm-hmm. did that in a lot of series even uh, even like series that weren't all aliens or robots like you know look at mask or something like that you still got the kid character um, that was like, oh, this is what the kids have to relate to. This is how so they can see themselves in the story and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And it's weird because this movie isn't quite doing that. They're not giving us kid, but they're giving us like young people that are humans, almost in the same manner that you would see that in a cartoon. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's like here's here's the people you're supposed to relate to. Yeah, here's one of the fights we get with Blade and He Man that is obviously choreographed by Blade. Yep, uh, with swords and different things and. Not too bad of action sequences here. No, it's a good action sequence. I still think He-Man's sword looks wimpy as hell, though. Right. Oh, that was a creepy shot with Karg in the background behind Courtney Cox. Yeah, grabbing her. Yep. Oh. It was like a scene before that, though, like a sequence before that. They showed him like in the background, and you didn't necessarily see it at first. It was like, oh, he's just hiding back there like a creeper. Mm-hmm. He-Man throwing some people around. More red laser, blue laser. Yeah. <laughs> Shooting a beast man. Mm-hmm. So that's our first interaction. You know, the He-Man and everybody knows that the evil warriors are on Earth with them. Mm-hmm. So we have that as a dilemma. Her fake crying is so bad. Yeah, that's true. Was a decent choice of having somebody like that's going to be next to Dolph Lundgren that's going to make Dolph Lundgren look even bigger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> and now it's like so far removed because it's like not our it's not our masters and it's not even the main human. It's like the main mm-hmm. human's boyfriend that has the quintessential mm-hmm. device. Yeah. Probably because his name's Kevin. Yeah. Well, you know, it's your fault you went to Charlie's. I don't even know where Charlie's is. Or Club, or Club Zero, where this guy was. Exactly. And this so is supposed to be a pawn shop? Pawn shop, yeah. Radio Shack or something? Or, I think it's a more like a music store type thing. Oh, right. Yeah, that's right. It's a music yeah. store. Selling different instruments and I haven't actually watched stuff. this movie in a decade. 
It's got tambourines on the wall for some reason. I don't know who he's selling those to. Drum set up above on the other angle. Yep. Just touching random buttons here. Probably not the smartest thing to do. No, not at all. It's interesting too. He's got guitars up there above, and then there's like a freaking baritone or tuba case like next to him. <laughs> I don't. It's like the most. It's a disorganized music store. store. Yeah. Right. Yeah, drumsticks just in a, a freaking whatchamacallit. That's almost a. That is a drum that the drumsticks are in. Mm hmm. It's ridiculous. <laughs> How much of this stuff. Uh, what would any of this stuff be worth if you still had it today? Some of it would probably be worth some. Some of it probably would be, and then some of it would be just complete trash. Yep. I was trying to see what the sale was, the sale price on that guitar was in the background, but I couldn't quite read it. <laughs> no, I can't read it either. <laughs> There's only one that has like a first sale ticket, but mm-hmm. something's fifty nine ninety eight over his shoulder. Yeah. I couldn't see what it was. So obviously they are learning about the break-in and the arson and et cetera, et cetera, at the high school that uh, his girlfriend was at. Mm-hmm. What is Courtney Cox? Uh, Julie. Julie is the character's Julie name. Julie is the character's name, yeah. yeah. So Julie and Kevin is what we get from them. Who's Charlie? I don't know. That was the name on the um, in in the store there. Oh, that's the music guy? I don't know Maybe. if it's his name, but there was a name, Charlie, and the like oh. on 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 the counter to just to the left of it, there's Charlie in all pink neon. Yeah, because there's someone in the cast list that's that's listed as Charlie. Oh. So that's why I was checking that out. Welcome seniors to your doom. <laughs> High school really is the end of your life. Basically. Dolph Lundgren would be sixty three this year. Sixty four hmm. is what he's gonna turn this year, actually. He is 63 currently. So he was 54 when he made the Expendables. That's Franklin Jella. I mean, Franklin Jella just January 1st just turned 83. Yep. It's funny. Uh, when the Americans was still on FX before it, you know, ended its run. The, this is a spy thriller show on on FX networks. Um he actually has a role on there, and I'm like, oh, it's so weird seeing Frank Langella without his Skeletor mask on. <laughs> um, wow. James Tolkien, Detective Lubick, uh, that we see right here, he's he actually will turn 90 this year. 90. And he looks the same now as he did yeah, I don't three think... years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, Billy Barty is no longer with us. He died in the year 2000. Mm. Um, I think almost everybody else I'm just kind of going through I think everybody else is still alive of the main cast which is interesting a lot of times when we review stuff like this a lot of people are no longer with us uh, we do have a lot of people that are 70 or 80 or you know 90 but uh, yep. I'm finding anybody besides Billy Barty that's that's passed on and it's funny because Lubick had a good three year run of films in the 80s I don't know what he had. I don't know what he had before in '84 or earlier, but from '85 to '87, Back to the Future, '86, uh, uh, he had Top Gun, Really right. Maverick, Top Gun, you know. And then he's got this, and then he shows up obviously later in Back to the Future two and three. Right, right. Uh, he was in like one scene. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then obviously he he actually played numbers in Dick Tracy. That's right. So he was a, he had an appearance in Dick Tracy as well. After that, I think it was mostly TV. For yeah, the, probably he did appear 
a couple of years back in a movie called Bone Tomahawk in 2015, which I saw. I'm going to have to look back to see who he played in that. But uh, yeah, he's been around for a while. He was in Serpico in 1973. I haven't seen it, but I've heard a lot of things about that movie. The Amityville Horror, mm-hmm. another one that I have not seen. Been around for a while. His first movie was 1960. Yep. His first TV appearance, excuse me, 1960. Naked, last, Se- Naked yeah. City, yep. He has not appeared in anything since 2015. I'm assuming that's because he's retired since he's 90 years old. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Skeletor and uh, Evil Inn having a moment. Of course. <laughs> they almost played it up like more like a romantic angle in this movie than we ever saw anywhere else. Yeah. Where like she's almost infatuated with him in some mm-hmm. way. Like she still has the smart, like I'll do, I'll look out for number one first type thing. Mm-hmm. But, but it's more of a, it almost seems like a more of an attractiveness towards to mm-hmm. you know, towards Skeletor, which is kind of weird. The red lipstick really pops on her with how white every, you know, her eyes being so pale, which you could really see in that last picture. Yeah. And then the, the skin makeup, you know, that's making her so pale as well as her, you know, her outfit, which is also light, light color. So, mm-hmm. I don't hate her outfit. It's a little different, but uh, I don't hate it. Yeah. And this is interesting here. Um, we do talk about how, you know, He-Man wasn't allowed to kill anybody. Not so much, I guess, for Skeletor. <laughs> so he is going to kill one of these guys real quick. Well, he is the uh, the villain, you know. And it was surprising. I remember being surprised the first time I saw this, whether it was in the theater or not, um, that it seems like it was somewhat early in the movie where he Skeletor just, like, takes somebody out. but. It, it's a good way of really showing his strength right off and his evilness right off the bat. Absolutely, yeah. Eastman looks like he had a better day. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, here we go. Yep. Skeletor looking like he's uh, not happy with things. His nose nope. is so creepy. Yeah, it is. Because again, it's a mask over a human I am not giving pain this day. What's a great line from Skeletor? Yeah. yeah, it is. That is actually straight out of uh, Shakespeare. It's a copy from a line from one of Shakespeare's plays. I'm not in the giving mood this day. So it's kind of an interesting ode to Shakespeare, I guess. But so much for Sarad. Yep. He was useless anyway. I guess Sarad really um, enjoyed working with Frank Langella, even though he kills him in the scene. Because <laughs> um, I guess when in costume, um, like we talked about with Evil Lynn, he can't sit anywhere. Mm-hmm. So he had the, he had like a special board that he could lean against um, mm-hmm. that had a hole cut out for his tail to go through. Right. Um, so that he could be like resting in some ways. And I guess Frank Langella would always stop by and talk to him or bring him stuff to read or, you know, I don't know if he brought him food or drink, but it just would like go out of his right. way to make sure he was comfortable, which was kind of nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Frank Langella just comes across as a, as a cool dude. Yeah, he does. Obviously, I've never met the guy. can't speak for him, but he just comes across as someone that seems like he's down to earth, didn't let fame get to him. And Yeah, you know, just, he's, a, he's an actor's actor. Right, class act. Getting back to Lubbock here, uh, he was in one episode, I think, of your favorite show, one yep. of my least favorite shows. He was on The Wonder Years as Coach Silva. How is that one of your least favorite shows? I just don't like that show. When have you watched it last? Uh, whenever it hit whatever streaming service it was a couple of years Man. ago. 
I just feel like watching it now and kind of just reminiscing back to childhood and things like that. It's just such a, it like gets you in the feels. I love the wonder years. I haven't watched it from beginning to end, but I want to at some point. I think one of them one of them was in MacGyver. I can't remember if it was, uh, Anthony DeLongis or somebody else. Somebody was in an episode of MacGyver. You'd think I'd know, but. Yeah, you'd think you would know since you're a MacGyver nut. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah, it wasn't either one of those two. I don't know who I saw in this film that was in one of the MacGyvers. Hmm. Click around a little bit and apologize for the uh, sounds. Well, uh, Kevin in this movie did a lot of guest spots on TV shows. Good lord, he was in. Yeah, he did. Um, he was in the Twilight Zone. He was in All My Children, Quantum Leap, L.A. Law, Star Trek: The Next mm-hmm. Generation, Murder She Wrote, um, Star Trek Voyager, um, Dawson's Creek, Star Trek Enterprise, One Tree Hill. The Outer mm-hmm. Limits, the OCD, Supernatural. Like he's been around for a while. Yes, he has. Blue Bloods, White Collar. Um, so you've probably seen him pop up in many different things. Yep. He's one of those guys. Hey, it's that guy. Where do I rem- you Like you really have only ever seen him once in this movie. Really. Right, right. I mean, you know, I'm sure. But for me, if I had seen him anywhere else, I'd be like, wait a minute, is that? And I have no idea what he looks like since this film. I only know what he looks like in this movie, so I probably wouldn't recognize him either. Right. I love those effects. Those effects are really good on the scanner there for the time. Yeah, that I, was really I cool. I agree. John Cypher also was in a shit ton of things. Mm-hmm. Robert Towers was in nothing. This is the guy that plays Karg. Plays Karg, yeah. Yeah, he had four film roles. Um, one of them was just additional voices on Rockin' with Judy Jetson. Um, <laughs> he's been in two video games, and he was f- four different animated roles and six television roles. Wow. So Lubbock is going crazy over here because the key <laughs> activated, and he's like, oh, this is nuts. I'm going to pull a Kevin McAllister before Kevin McAllister did it. Basically. Oh, this yeah. is interesting. Pons Mar, the guy who plays Sarad, mm-hmm. uh, he's an American actor, puppeteer, artist, and filmmaker. He was the voice for Noid in the Domino's pizza commercials. Oh, yeah. Love the Noid. At least at one point. I don't know how long he did that, but it's listed right. uh, on his page. So that's an interesting one. And her scanner is going to pick up the microwave waves and destroy the microwave. <laughs> No more hot chicken for you guys. Good lord. <laughs> Tony Carroll played Beast Man. Mm. He was did almost nothing else. <laughs> it's fu- you know you know it's funny you know you get s- some of these movies that mm-hmm. want to cast unknowns or whatever. And sometimes the unknown, like Christopher Reeve, he was virtually unknown at the time, obviously graduated from Juilliard and everything else, roomed with Robin Williams, you know, 
and now you know he's known for the to the rest of the world as Superman for the rest of his life and afterlife. Now that he's no longer been with us, but sometimes when you're casting unknowns, you get people like the person that played you know Karg or whatever that didn't go on to do anything else. It, it's kind of sad. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Lubbock confiscates the key, which is just going to bring him more trouble. Yeah. Oh, Kevin. Why do you have to be so stupid, Kevin? I mean... And that pink car, come on. <laughs> Jesus. That's when you know you're confident in your manhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Blow the wait. door off it. <laughs> Get out of here. Jeez. Oh, Lord. Yeah, we got another showdown here with the evil warriors. And Beast Man, yep. Going against Kevin. He should just be dead at this point, really. I mean, going up against a monster like that? Yeah, he should just be dead. Yeah, we shouldn't have seen him again. Yeah, that codpiece she's wearing, she should not be wearing. <laughs> I definitely wanted to accentuate her chest. Oh no, I'm not talking about the the the, the upper. The I upper noticed part. the lower uh, the lower part yeah. more than I noticed the. I'm like, ugh, that doesn't look right at all. No. Oh. Man, you just got turned into a dog. <laughs> the interrogation device here mm-hmm. put the collar of truth around him. <laughs> At least in the 70s, when Linda Carter did it, it was a lasso and it looked better. Yeah. Tearing off the place, looking for the key. Local couple dying, plane crash, yep. Find the girl. So this is what's going to give him the idea to do what they do here in a little while. Mm-hmm. I do like Blade's design. I like his eye thing. I like his his whole chin thing, whatever. Right. Um, some critical responses. The Rotten Tomatoes consensus reads, Masters of the Universe is a slapdash adaptation of the He-Man mythos that can't overcome its cynical lack of raison d'etre. I don't know what that means. No matter how admirably Franklin Jella throws himself into the role of Skeletor. <laughs> um, Variety said it's a Conan Star Wars hybrid ripoff that is a colossal bore um, guy from the New York Times said if you like the toy you'll love the movie eh, okay so it's funny you mentioned that and they're going off to find them and since you brought up the toys actually in was it when was this the, that's the pre-order which sold out uh, in 2011 was this article written? I can't even tell. Uh, basically, um, Masters of the Universe Classics, they did the William Stout collection. I've got a link here from, from Toy Arc that I'll put in the post of this. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Episode of the pod, uh, for the podcast, but they show off images of the action figures from Masters Universe Classics. They have He Man, regular Skeletor, Karg, and God Skeletor. And I'll probably even I'll send you off air uh, Pixel Dan's video with these. And the action figures look a hell of a lot better than what the what yeah. the what the film does. The uh, the God Skeletor figure. It's pretty much ripped right off the screen. They all are, but it just looks so much cooler. I remember wanting some of the... I wanted the Blade figure and a couple other figures, but I never got my hands on them. Yeah. These are... Yeah, those were from the original film. These are four figures that were done in Masters Universe Classics somewhere in the last five, six, seven years. I forget when. And they're basically today's standard of, of action figure. And it's just gotcha. four of them. Two Skeletors, a Karg, and a He-Man. One Skeletor is regular Skeletor. One Skeletor is God Skeletor. Hmm. The other film that they had put out, I forget, I just remembered it. The other film that this company was putting out at the same time, in Masters of the Universe, that they were hoping that would be a success that was not, was Superman, The Quest for Peace. I like that movie, so. actually. That's that contributed. These two contributed the uh, to the closure of canon films. The sequel is going to be called Masters of the Universe Two Cyborg. Um, and this, like I said, the script followed He-Man who returned to Earth to battle Skeletor who had left Earth as a post-apocalyptic wasteland. The film was to feature Trapjaw and She-Ra, but they had to recast um, somebody as He-Man, and that was going to be Laird Hamilton. Oh, um, interesting. So he was going to be playing He-Man in the sequel. Um, Look at Gwildor. Gwildor's uh, an idiot. <laughs> speaking of which, Billy Barty received a Golden Raspberry Award nomination for Worst Supporting Actor for this film. He didn't yeah, win he, it. He's not the worst out of this movie, right. though. Um, and another thing that Canon, basically, since they were going out of business, they couldn't pay Mattel's fees to pull off the sequel. And yeah, mm. it says... Um, the only aspect known about the sequel screenplay was that He-Man would have returned to Earth disguised as a professional quarterback. That's just rings of awfulness. I do like the idea that the Skeletor created like a wasteland or a post-apocalyptic area out of Earth, kind of like he did with Eternia at the beginning of this film. They don't right. do too bad with the flying, the flying um, thing there going through the, the sky was not too bad of an effect. I like that they blame the Russians on this. That is such a strickland thing to do. And it's such an 80s thing to do, too. Right, right. We have uh, He-Man showing up in the pink car, driving it, apparently. He's learned how to drive in the 
course of the movie. Coming into Charlie's store to get this cosmic key, but not before Detective Lubbock has a word with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could not see Laird Hamilton oh. as uh, as He Man. The only person I can see as He Man, I'll stick to it until my dying day, is Chris Hemsworth. No, perfect body for it. No, maybe, but he's a horrible actor for it. No, oh, he's a good actor. No, Thor is He Man. No, yeah, the only oh, and that isn't even wow. And they locked in on the key. Yes, they've locked in on the key. Yay! Wildor is uh, one of the golden girls here. Sophia. Gwildor and Drag. Oh, no, he's Blanche. He's Blanche. <laughs> I like the term they keep throwing off because I, I have the subtitles on and then like Chromons and things like that. Like, what is that? Mm-hmm. They got like a tank just sitting out on the uh, street. This is awesome. Yeah. Evil Lynn has accompanied them this time. That's because hopefully she won't fail. Right. But she does. Spoilers. She just walks, walks around very regal. Yeah. Like she rules everything with Skeletor. She looks like she could have played the White Witch in the Chronicles of Narnia in that costume. Hmm. Oh, Man at Arms has his, his visor down. Yep. He-Man sporting a gun again. Yep. It's always kind of jarring. Yeah, it is. It's like MacGyver carrying a gun. It just doesn't happen. I mean, if he made it out of toothpicks, it could happen. <laughs> he didn't believe in guns. He would throw one in the garbage and have to make a device out of a pen or something first. Mm-hmm. 20 Metrons. So we got Metrons and Chromons. They're trying to find a way to get through the Sorceress's force field when they do get back there. Yep. So now Gwildor and Kevin are going to be talking about the universal language of music. Mm-hmm. It's a little Lubbock's bit weird. like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? Yeah, this is a weird part of the movie, honestly. Yeah, very. There's that tuba in the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, Case was in the other part of the store. So many drums. So many drums. Mm-hmm. So many speakers, keyboards. Like, what is going on? Right through the windows. Mm. There he goes, shooting people again. That doesn't Don't- matter. They're robots. You can kill robots and nobody cares. Okay, robots, fine. That's, this is a, this is a, you know, how you, what's the word? There's got to be a word like sexist that's like against robots. Like this is a robotism. Yeah, this movie doesn't care about uh, the feelings of the robots. You can kill them left and right. <laughs> basically what it sounded like. I thought I was listening to the movie. Thought the volume would come back on. I mean, overall, you really got to take this movie for what it is. Oh, absolutely. It's campy. It's cheesy. Mm-hmm. You know, the effects are of its time, although a few of the effects are better than the time, but a lot of them are somewhat dated by now, obviously. But I don't know. There's something that's just fun about it. Yeah. It... If you're willing to you know, suspend your disbelief on stuff. It's just jarring, though, as a He-Man movie because of all of the non-He-Man aspects. Exactly, that's the thing. It's it's a He-Man. It's supposed to be a He-Man movie that isn't a He-Man movie. That's that's the biggest right. problem with it. 
And the like, funny thing is, I don't mind Gwildor. I like Gwildor as a as a character, as a as an Orko replacement. Yeah, I like He Man for what he what he is. I like Man at Arms. I was still not a fan of Tila in this, but my favorite things out of this are Skeletor, the Cosmic Key, and Lubbock. Honestly, like those are my top three things yeah. from this movie. Like I think you can get away with Gwildor. It's when you have Gwildor and Blade and Karg and Sauron or whatever his name mm-hmm. is, not Sauron, but um, Sarad and and you know all these different things. Then you have some of the characters not looking alike, and then you have most of it taking place on Earth, and then you have robot armies, and then you have He-Man shooting people. Like there's so many things that are disconnected from the universe that we have learned about in the previous you know X number of years. That right. it was just jarring to watch as, like, I don't know. Like, that would be like a Transformers movie, and it had Optimus Prime and Megatron, and then all the other characters were new to that movie. Mm. Like, you'd be like, oh. and they weren't even, like, the same, like, I don't know. Maybe Transformers isn't a good example, but. That's one know. thing Michael Bay did get right, is he let them do the character names and the Bumblebees and the this, and Hasbro right. probably told him that, but. And again, who knows what was told to these filmmakers from Mattel yeah. at the time, other than the fact that He-Man doesn't kill people or whatever kind of thing, yet right. here he is with a gun shooting at robots. Very true. I mean, if you're going to do the whole Batman rule of this character doesn't kill, you should not be giving him a laser pistol. Sword yeah, because- sword fight, fine, whatever. You, he's not going to kill a character right. with a sword because he's fighting. Uh, yeah. yeah. Basically in the cartoon, the way they do it is he just, he throws people or he, you know, mm-hmm. punches somebody or something like that. Like he knocks them out. Like he comes to, it's funny because they had this whole movie where they're like, you know, don't kill anybody. Mm-hmm. But then the cartoon did a better job of showing that because he never had a gun. Like he didn't even come close mm-hmm. to doing something like that. This is an interesting part that we're kind of skipping past here, but uh, Courtney Cox sees a vision of her mom out there. And for some reason believes that that is possible. While Lubbock and Ke- and you fight over a gun. This is just a bad, like, I understand that you have a loss. Like when you lose a parent, I've been there. And like, yeah, when I was 10, did I like picture like, oh, you know, he's, you know, my dad's just going to be back one day and it's going to be like a dream or something or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like you go through that type of thing. But she is a grown ass adult at this point, or at least a high schooler. Like you can't imagine that this is really your mom at this point. Yeah, like no. you know that she's dead, and this is a creepy point in the movie too. Like, I this this gives me the chills. This was some awesome special effects, though. <laughs> Give me the chills just now, just even seeing it again, even though I already knew what was coming. Like, <laughs> she's, she, she's, she's her mom now, but as we know, she's actually Eva Lynn, which mm. is one of the best things they did in the movie as far as recapturing like something that would have happened in the cartoon. Because that's something that we would have seen multiple times in the cartoon where somebody posed as somebody else, whether it was Skeletor, Evelyn, or whoever. Mm -hmm. And as Lubbock and the two kids are fighting here, I almost forgot Lubbock was a cop in this. This music story got a lot of play. Yeah, Now Gwildor's got a gun. Gwildor has the gun that was on the floor. He says they're acting like torquedoms. I don't know what that is. Um, Julie's coming back. My mom's here. She, she wants the thing and blah 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 and she runs out and gives and why would your back. number one, why would your mom be alive? Number two, why would your mom want this thing? Yep. Like it's so bad. Dun dun dun. Like this is hot rod bad right here. 
I'm just kidding. <laughs> Eva Lynn scares the crap out. That was Courtney Cox's best acting moment, I think. Yep. That initial reaction where she's just screaming. Mm-hmm. And Eva Lynn pulls off without ever having to like lift a finger, pulls off the feet that they were trying to do. Mm-hmm. So she comes across as a pretty competent bad guy. Absolutely. Records 99 cents. You can get those records for 99 cents. Seems expensive for 1987. Mm. Well, one of them, one of the price tags was 4.99, and then the rest said 99 cents. Yeah. There's more red laser, blue laser. I think there was a green one in there too. Yeah, there was earlier. Yeah. No, red and green laser, great. Something was off in the coloring. <laughs> so much fire. Fire everywhere. That's laying waste. It's a teenage wasteland. Oh, we're looking for more guns. More guns. This movie had more guns in the entirety than the whole series did in 130 episodes. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, yeah. Because <laughs> I don't even know if the series ever had a gun, did it? I mean, Men in Arms had blasters and things, oh, and, and 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 some of the vehicles had guns on them, but actual like revolvers and shotguns and things like that, no. I mean, I guess it's set in Earth, so what kind of weapons are going to be in existence in Earth? Exactly, yeah. It's just weird that so many characters are brandishing them. I'm surprised he's still alive. <laughs> That's pure Strickland right there. Mm-hmm, yep. <laughs> Get off my lawn. That's literally what I, every time somebody uses that phrase, like an old person, like saying, get off my lawn. I think of his character (laughs) and back to the future. Yep. You slackers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's the interesting version of a sky sled. Yeah. Much bigger vehicle that we're using. Evelyn's caressing the cosmic key. Obviously having thoughts of what she can do with its power. Maybe. Mm hmm. He man's going out in the streets. Hope someone's opening a door. Mm-hmm. Here comes Skeletor. Dun dun dun. By the sorceress. <laughs> That's a phrase. <laughs> and here comes the Skeletor on Earth. Hell on Earth. I, I do like the army shot, though. Like, it, it makes it look okay. The fact that they've been using almost every scene, though, is a little bit off-putting. Well, true, but I mean... If they would have waited until this scene and had them all march in with Skeletor, that would have been a lot better. And they got the hoverboards. Yep. Maybe not the greatest effects, but it's okay. At least they Skeletor, ain't pink. Skeletor looks badass when he comes in here, though. Mm-hmm. He does. So great. Mm-hmm. I like I like the like things that they did at the end of his gloves, like the fingertips. Yeah, that is so cool. That made him look badass. This vehicle looks somewhat badass. It's almost Darth Vader-esque. Oh, yeah. What's all this? It looks like Darth Vader's bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> I like the fact that he's so elevated, like he's so high off the ground. Oh, yeah. Makes it look cool. And then he's got like gunners to the sides of him. Offset. Yeah, everything to do with Skeletor in this film is amazing.
Evelyn. Mm-hmm. her evilness. Yep. I have the key, my lord. <laughs> he wants to know about He-Man. Evelyn says that he eluded them. That obviously does not make Skeletor happy. Air Centurions find him. <laughs> it's interesting that a year later there would be a cartoon called Centurions. Mm-hmm. Or later that year, maybe even. I don't remember if they started in 87 or not. Air Centurions. This is a weird aspect visually, though. Some of this I remember looking a little cheesy even back then. Oh, yeah. It's all very cheesy. So he shot that person. Was the Air Centurion a robot, too? Probably. (laughs) I would hope so, considering He-Man's not supposed to kill anybody. Right. This is like one of our climactic showdowns on Earth here. Yes, yes it is. Centurion's cartoon debuted in... Oh, I guess it was in 1986, so it came beforehand. Came beforehand, yeah, so this is a reference to it. That's what I figured. I remember Centurion was... uh, Centurion's was before this. Now He-Man gonna ride his own cover or hoverboard. <laughs> there it goes. Jeez. So he's got the hoverboard. He's got his gun. His sword's holstered. Mm-hmm. Graphics aren't terrible, right there. Nope. I mean, for the time that this movie was made, the graphics on it are really, really good. Depending on which scene you're in. Yeah, I mean, there's good moments, that, but I mean, there's some. It's like a 50-50. Like some of them are some real good moments that you're like, oh, this is beyond its time. And then some of them are like, oof, this looks like a weird computer animated mm-hmm. video game. Yep. Like it, the when they're at a distance on those hoverboards, it looks really bad. When they're close up, not as bad. Mm-hmm. Skeletor just slowly making down Washington Avenue here. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever street this is. He-Man trying to find somewhere to stick his grapple. That's uh, the wrong place. And, oh, his shoulder got shot off. Oh. There you go. Red laser actually hit somebody. <laughs> wow. That must be a first. Yeah, I know. You could probably record that down on the, in history. How many mm-hmm. times that's been successful. Mm-hmm. He-Man doing a loop-de-loop. This is like the scene in Star Wars and the Force of Endor. Mm-hmm. When they're trying to, other yeah, scalp bikes. Yep, there's a lot of copying from other, a lot of homaging, copying, whatever you want to call it, from other things. And yeah, this is very Moons of Endor type scene here. First, I didn't realize, I didn't think that guy realized he was right behind him, but <laughs> yeah, really. It's also funny because we have Gwildor that's doing most of the work with like the cosmic key and the different devices where normally man at arms would be that person. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting in that respect. Well, you got to give uh, bearded Orko something to do in this movie besides eat chicken. I mean, dressed in drag. Oh, Skeletor just coming up like a creep right here. That's such a good scene. Yeah, it is. 
Bye-bye. Force field. <laughs> that's like so Emperor Palpatine. Oh, yeah, very much so. I know I'm making a lot of Star Wars references, but that's what I'm thinking of as I'm watching this yeah, now. Absolutely, because that's all you can think about. Like, you think you have him, and he's just going to be like, nope, I got a force field, bitches. Yeah. Throw down your weapons. <laughs> and your other weapon. And your other weapon. <laughs> Could have been a comedy sketch right there. Mm-hmm. You minute minion. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's what Skeletor called Gwildor. That's great. I would never know, knowing, never knowingly serve the Lord of Snake Mountain. <laughs> they originally it's, wanted Snake Mountain in this, uh, and they had the drawings of it and everything, and all the concept art and the design, but then they weren't able to do it for budgetary reasons, unfortunately, because that would have been cool to see. Mm. I guess they even had designs for like Shira for the sequel and different things like that. Like she would have been in a little bit of a different getup. So I don't know if I would have been for that. <laughs> like just the way that he's able to emote without saying anything. Yep. And, and that much makeup and mask and things like that. Oh yeah, he's, absolutely. Like, all the emotions and you know, say so much without saying anything. It's really good. Right, Frank Langella. He's clearly probably the best actor in this film. Oh, easily. I mean, there was a few others that did a lot of acting, but like, I feel like he's he's the star. Them, yeah. yeah, I mean, he even takes it over Lundgren. Especially at the time, too, he was probably the biggest name that was involved. Yep. Because Dolph Lundgren hadn't done much at this point. I think Rocky was about it. Yeah, Rocky four, five, or whatever Rocky he's in. So we have just about everybody together now. Just about, yeah, pretty much. Except for obviously the sorceress who's back being captured on Eternia. Yep. Skeletor laughing. Mm-hmm. Oh, He-Man Skeletor, one-on-one. <laughs> He wants He-Man to return to Eternia with him as his slave mm-hmm. to save his friends or to perish with them on this stupid planet. Ultimatums. Such a return, villain thing to do. Yep. Return to Eternia. Be my slave. You'll sign a million autographs every day until you die. All I can think of is what uh, Swackhammer wanted to do with Michael Jordan in Space Jam. <laughs> so He-Man throws his sword down, mm-hmm. gets put in shackles, Yep. Because let's face it, that sword ain't no power sword. It's just Frank Lancelli just like literally motions him off with a flick of his hand. Yep. Away, you fly. Away, shoo. Good stuff. So that is our resolution, basically, of what's happening here on Earth. Yeah, pretty much on Earth. They then go back to Eternia here in a few minutes. He-Man is my slave. <laughs> Let them rot. That's what he's saying about all the other people. Then he slowly descends. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, it's like, I'm going to put my 
my medical chair down now. Thank you. <laughs> it was going that fast. It's like when you're waiting for somebody's chair to like go up an elevator, like on one of those like lifts. It, it's like the lady. It, it's like the old lady chair in, in Gremlins. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Except it never goes fast. Yep. Shoot her out the window or whatever it does. Mm-hmm. So now they think they're stuck and they there's no way for them to get back to Eternia because Skeletor and all these people are going through that gate. Mm-hmm. Gonna and close it. They have the cosmic keys. There, everybody else is gonna be stuck. So we're just watching them go through that gate, disappear. Mm-hmm. And now we have ourselves a little conundrum. Yep, Gwildor <laughs> and the humans. <clears throat> Quildor and the Humans. That sounds like a TV spinoff. Could be. Like Mark and Mindy, Quildor and the Humans. Yep. I know that probably is a real shotgun, but the shotgun on Lubbock's uh, arm there does not look. look uh, when, he, when he had it up against his shoulder, it just looked like a completely fake gun. Yeah, it did. Oh, here, let me put that in, in some water. For, ooh, ooh, that's some of the best makeup in the entire movie besides Frank Langella. Ooh. That makes you hungry, doesn't it? No, it does not at all. Should put this wet towel over it that we soaked in some dirty pool water. <laughs> exactly. Good thing I uh, ate dinner way before we recorded this commentary. It says, already in her blood. Only our sorceress can heal her now. Mm-hmm. So now we have another... Uh, Element that we have to work around here. Mm-hmm. To get to Kevin, the sorceress. Kevin's you just don't get it. Yep. He should just date Tila instead. Mm, I don't know about that, but okay. <laughs> or Gwildor and drag. <laughs> yeah. The way Gwildor's like cheeks hang down over his beard always got me. <laughs> I wonder if that uh, outfit still exists somewhere, like if it's on display somewhere. Or if it was too much connected to his face that they had to peel it off or something. Hmm, not sure. Oh, they just need to play the melody that the key played. They don't Mm -hmm. need the cosmic key, they just need the music. Luckily, Kevin's a music guy. Yeah, luckily. (laughs) <laughs> this is great yeah, <laughs> that effect is. was terrible though <laughs> yeah instead well, of just having a blow up or whatever she shoots it and then it cuts to a scene that doesn't have it in, in it anymore <laughs> like a blip like we didn't see that edit mm-hmm. <laughs> this part has been edited ha 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 you'll never know what was actually here How did you do that? How do you do music from memory? You learn. It's called memorization. This part is so cheesy. (laughs) It's like supposed to be this like epic, like device that exists in, Mm -hmm. um, Oh, he's got to do something Metron's pole word. I don't know what that means. Um, you know, Eternia, you have these devices that are like magical and stuff like that. You're on Earth and we just have to like re- redo a tune and it does the same thing. Yep. Kind of takes away some of the magic and mystique behind it. 
Well, it had to be simplified for the humans because they don't oh, have the geez. other device. You get the at this point, you can't hear it obviously, but this is when Kevin tries to play it that he's not good enough to remember it a hundred percent right. He's just a stupid keyboard person. There's a million people like me out in the world. I'm a nobody. Blah blah blah. So now they have to like pump up his self esteem and confidence back up. Yeah. Good lord. This is like the PSA in the movie. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, yeah. Gweldor. It's like a cross between a hobbit and Yoda and the dude from Spaceballs and Orko. They just said something about a Tesseract. I don't even octo- see Orko in here. They got a Tesseract though. in here before it was known. They got an Octodrectifier. They got Chromoids. They got Metrons. Like somebody's just having fun making up words. Mm-hmm. So you can see down below where they have like the skulls and the different stuff compared to up here where they have. If you see off to the side, you can't see it in that scene, but they'll they'll have more of like just like natural statues like that look like nice. But anything down below is like skulls. Like right here, you can see people like statues of people on the upper part, which is the good power. And then down below, you can see all kinds of different skulls and like more demonic type Mm -hmm. creations. Because up top is heaven, down below is hell. Basically, it's a very yeah, very similar uh, yeah aesthetic. All, by the powers of the universe will be vested in me and I make you man and wife. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he did say the powers vested in me, though. Yeah. Look at Sorceress. Not looking good. No, she's almost dead. She's looking like Skeletor a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's my destiny. It is my right. This is one of the better parts for Frank Langella when he has some of these like almost like monologues. Mm-hmm. Not quite, because there's some other people that interject lines here and there, but good stuff. He writes one of the one of these lines he came up with on his own. It's not in the script. I don't think he said it yet. But it'll come up here, I think, in a little bit. Oh, look, the sword with no power. Yes, sorceress. The sword of Grayskull. Mine. <laughs> mm-hmm. He held it up like it weighed nothing. Because it probably does weigh nothing. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Everything else weighs like 50 pounds as far as costumes go. So true, he puts the sword but... in that holder next to his throne. That's doing something, apparently. He is carrying around kind of like a Havoc staff. Yeah, it is kind of a Havoc staff. Pretty close. Close enough. Yeah. He's got human was... shackled. Go ahead. I was trying to look and see if it really did look similar to what the actual Havoc staff looks like. And it does a little bit, but not much. He says a line there that when the powers of Grayskull will become mine. When the great eye opens, mm-hmm. people of eternity shall see you kneeling to me. Just before you die. Such a good standoff between Skeletor and He-Man here. Mm-hmm. And what can he do? This is like the part when you're watching that movie where you're like, how yeah. how does he... This is the, the red laser whip. 
Mm-hmm. You're like, how does he get out of this? He's shackled. Sorcerers can't help. He's got Skeletor, Evelyn, all the bad people. His friends are on Earth. Only person that can save him is Lubbock. <laughs> <laughs> Lord have mercy. Yeah, when uh, President, or not President, wow, when uh, Principal Strickland is the only person that can save you, you're in trouble. I'm sure he was President Strickland in one timeline, at least. All right. I thought they destroyed that pink car. Apparently not. Kevin's back to save the day. Mm-hmm. Remember that, folks. Mm-hmm. Thank God you weren't him, because... <laughs> That's too cool to be him. All right. We got a keyboard, which is basically mm-hmm. a cosmic key. Pretty much, Gordon. yeah. Cox is over there crying and crying dying. and dying and all from a leg burn <laughs> from a venomous leg burn. That's that'll do it to you, man. Yep. I'll have this ready in a pre-ton. Everything's got to be a ton or a, cr- a mon or cross <laughs> chromon pre-ton. Young love. Mm-hmm. This thing probably was broken in real life. This is probably why they were saying that they were so hard to keep together. Yeah, most one likely. of the broken ones. Yep. Oh, that does oh. look like it hurts. Yeah, he's got a little bleeding a little bit. Even Skeletor's flinching a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Enough. Where is your strength? It's in the sword. The fake one. It's rubbing it in that the princess or the sorceress is dying, I mean. Yep. So much acting with his eyes. There's so much acting with his eyes, but the lights and the shadows in this scene on his face. Oh, so good. Alpha and the Omega. It's Mm -hmm. always a good phrase. Oh, I forgot we get Super Skeletor eventually. Yeah, God Skeletor, yep. I didn't like that. <laughs> I actually did. I thought it was cool. I just thought he looked too gold when that happens. Yeah, true. We'll see what I think about it this time when I see it. <laughs> At least Super Skeletor is... uh or God Skeletor is more Langella than uh, Super Shredder was just plain old Kevin Nash. Right. <laughs> this is a cool hologram that's like projecting to all of Eternia, apparently, or at least these six people. Yep. <laughs> I do like the hologram projections were supposedly planet-wide or whatever. Right. It's one way to have a PA system. <laughs> Now I, Skeletor, am master of the universe. And the wall behind him is opening. Sorceress looking real bad. Beastman's still looking bad from like 300 scenes ago. Nobody yeah, ever fixed looking, it. Yeah, Beastman looks bad, and then uh, Card just looks confused. 
Now these gold fairies are running around. They enter mm-hmm. Skeletor's head. And he's glowing. The power fills me. He's on fire. <laughs> Orange lightning. We had red lightning earlier. We very had- sorcerer. Or very uh, Emperor Palpatine-like now. We even got the lightning oh, bolts yeah. coming. Fans. Oh yeah, very much so. Yeah, it's not blue; they're orange instead. Mm-hmm. Unstoppable power. <laughs> My friend's like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, the effects on him here are amazing. Yeah. I am more than man. Especially He-Man. <laughs> God. I am God. Very bright. Called, yeah, he should have been called Hook, not Karg. Yeah, He's got a hook yeah. for a hand. Evelyn's like the only one not flinching here. Yeah, because she knows what's coming. There's actually some moves that they end up not being able to do in this fight scene because of how tall his helmet is. <laughs> yeah, now he looks like a fucking Power Ranger. He doesn't look that bad. <laughs> I'm glad you at least said that that would be bad. That's I mean, what that reminded me of. That was, like the, that was like some type of get-up that you would see somebody on a Power Rangers TV show have. Well, some of those suits are really cool. <laughs> Some of them are very bad. Uh, this one, I don't, I don't see it as bad. And again, once I show you the uh, the, the the toy version of of God Skeletor, I think you're going to come around to it. I just thought his he was looked so epic as he was that like this made him look less epic to me. <laughs> Absolutely, I I I generally agree, but you know it. I don't know, man. It just oh, looks so into Eternia. Yep. Got in the picture. Like, it looks like a... What is that helmet? That helmet is bizarre. Who made that? Who designed that? It's crazy. The Havoc Staff is basically still the same, but he's got, like, antler horns, and then he's got something else coming off the back. He's got, like, a gem on the top. He's got snakes going around it or something. Well, it's to show that, you know, he's got this all this new power, and they have to do something. And again, this is 1987. Oh, hey, look, half a pink Cadillac. (laughs) And half a wall. Yeah. When stuff like that happens, you always wonder, like, why is it only the people that get transported? Yeah. This movie's like, well, we're going to transport everything. (laughs) Except the other half of the car. (laughs) It wasn't within the realm of the, the notes. Mm-hmm. And they needed something to be able to hide behind to shoot. True. Oh, hey man's free, or at least part of him is. That was dumb. Yep. Skeletor's freaking out. I I have to say, just a second ago when He Man did that back kick, that kind of looked like a filmation move that that <laughs> filmation He Man would do. That was the one time I That's really fun. felt that Dolph looked like. I filmation. feel like that laser went right through Lovick. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. All of the lasers should have hit Lubbock. Not that I want them to, but the way they're firing, they all should hit him. It looked like the one that they, like they edited it wrong, and it looked like it actually did hit him. And 
had no effect. Nothing shot that guy. He just flew backwards. Mm-hmm. He-Man's just throwing people left and right. This is more like the type of fighting He-Man should be doing versus shooting people. Beastman and Evil Inner just dipping out. Oh, that didn't feel good. We still have most of what Skeletor is doing is doing from afar. Yeah, there's no close-up. We do get a fight scene between them coming up, though. Yep, we do. Kind of a long, drawn-out final action sequence is what we got here. I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, I think it works. There's a little too much action, but for what it is, there you go. Yep. Well, he said something believable. Yeah. Samson, he's gonna, Samson power. Yeah, he's going to lift the whole thing with his bare hands. <laughs> he man doing a Tarzan impersonation. Mm-hmm. Oh, here we go. Just so we're aware, so everybody's straight on this. When we have the actual battle sequence between He-Man and Skeletor here, it is not going to be Frank Langella. It is going to be Blade in that costume. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, he does not. Frank Langella did not do the action sequence, the one-on-one fight. He did not do it. Yeah. So Blade, being the fight choreographer and the stuntman and everything, has a second fight with He-Man just in a different costume this time. That's kind of cool, though. I think that's interesting. Yeah. I've never watched it with that knowledge forehand so I'm sure they make sure that every face shot is Langella still but right yeah if you're like that probably was Langella mm-hmm. that was a slow swing but yeah, probably here here it's here it's Blade here it's Blade yeah, yeah. most definitely yeah because you can't even see his face no I just now noticed the mask is down the yeah, whole so. the whole face and is they covered darkened, here they darkened everything they, yep. they changed the lighting so you can't tell Yep. But that's not Langella. I think that's cool, though. I think that's interesting. I think that's the perfect way to do it for this film. I think it's cool that they got somebody that was already in the film to do it, like another character, instead of just a random stunt person. Right, yeah. That makes it kind of cool. And it does. Like, If they hadn't done this, it would be a fight scene like what we saw with uh, Darth Vader in Star Wars, where it's like very clear that there's... A very old person, not very old, but like an older person that's not swinging the swords very well. <laughs> yeah. Lightsabers in that case, but. Right. See, that would have been the, I don't know. I think I feel like we missed out on the moment where He-Man holds up the sword and becomes He-Man after Adam, like in a moment like this. Well, I mean, he cool. already did. He did it when he pulled it out of the thing. Yeah. That was, the, that was the moment for this movie. Yeah. Almost oh, loses the sword again. <laughs> Oof. At that, that was funny because in one shot, Skeletor's hood was down, 
Yeah. And the next one was up and then it was down again. Like there was and, some bad editing there. And he falls into the abyss. He falls into, you know, Cloud City. Basically. Apparently, they had the whole movie done except for parts of this sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, and the production got shut down because the company said that they had to be done. And it took them like, it basically took the Goddard like, I don't know, two or three weeks or something. I want to say, I don't quote me on the time frame to convince them to let them like reassemble to shoot the last few shots of the movie or something like that. There's something to do with stuff. They had to come back later and do because they had to wait to get reinstated. Wow. King Lubbock <laughs> gets a woman out of it. Yep. Looks like a much younger woman. Oh yeah. Sorceress can... also looks much younger than she did a few minutes ago. Yeah, she does. She doesn't look young, but she looks younger. Yeah. I didn't like the fact that they played her so old in this, yeah. but I guess, I guess it somewhat makes sense. But when you wish upon a globe, Oh, yeah. I just want one thing. I want my parents back. <laughs> Yeah, Eternia. No, nobody <laughs> said that. Man at arms without the helmet. Looking like a typical guy from the 80s. Oh, yeah. He man got his armor like uh, polished for this shot. Yeah. Very gold, very shiny. Why does Goldor have like gold bands tied in his hair? Because <laughs> everybody's got gold on now. They all took all the gold from Skeletor's outfit and melted it down and made new stuff into it. Mm-hmm. Activate the doorway. Yep. I would actually be interested to know if that really was Dolph Lundgren with the laser whip. Like the marks on his body, if they oh. actually did make up for that for that scene earlier. I'm assuming they did, but I'm assuming they did too. But you, you know, scenes like that. Oh, we'll just use a stunt double. But every right. time I saw him writhing in pain or whatever, I always saw his giant blonde wig and not wig, but you know what I mean. Like, and I'm like, oh, I wonder if that really is him or if that's just some other actor that looks like him or has his muscles or whatever kind of. Right. I don't think so, but you know, it's weird. I want to have like, uh, an Eternian like gesture, like waving, but it's like their version of it. Mm-hmm. Good journey. Send me back before my mom and dad crashed. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I, I lost a parent. You lost a parent. Don't get me wrong. It, it's horrible. But I really do hate that that's part of this movie, that, that she gets to go back right. to before you, her parents crashed. This makes it that that's not something that can happen. Like, Don't... <laughs> Yeah. Don't plant that seed that that's a possibility. And why is she wearing like a nightgown like you'd wear on Little House on the Prairie? I that's think so my mom bizarre. actually had that nightgown. I'm yeah, not she's kidding. Like, she's supposed to be playing what, like an 18-year-old? Yeah. Like no 18-year-old's walking around in that thing. Yeah, no. Especially not in the 80s. No. Oh, Lord. Yeah, this is cringeworthy. Yeah. Oh, lordy, lordy. Yeah. Not a fan of that part. No. 
Hey, look, the microwave's fixed. <laughs> Jeez. Don't die over there. Yeah, I know, right? Well, it, it's just... This is the worst scene of the entire film. Yeah, it's up there, that's for sure. Take all the effects, take all the timeline, take all the whatever. Oh, no, you're not going on your trip. I'm taking your tickets. Bye, and I'm going to walk out of the house in my nightgown. Oh, I forgot about this one. It came up in the in the actual movie, so I'll share it now. But uh, Mattel, the toy company, did um, hold a contest where the winner would get a role in the new He-Man series, mm-hmm. or the He-Man movie. Um, they were under a great deal of pressure to finish the time under budget, so director Gary Goddard had to squeeze the contest winner into the shoot. The winner, Richard Smonder, is Pigboy, who hands Skeletor his staff when he returns from Earth. Um, oh, interesting. And then I guess that guy complained, too, because he said... Um, the makeup and everything after it came off, like his face was like burning and in agony for weeks um, because of all the pig boy makeup that they had to take off his face. I have the power. And it's over. They don't do the, uh, is it a, Oh, they have a post credit scene. No, they don't. Yes, they do. Shut, Shut up. No, they don't. Yes, they do. It was one of the first movies that had a post credit scene. Really? I'm pretty sure. Um, we're just going through the credits here. It's just listing everybody. Carl, mm-hmm. the janitor, um, you know, people like that. There's Pig Boy, Richard Sponder. That's the guy who won the contest. Right. Um, yep. He got to be in his one movie, I'm assuming. I'm assuming he was never. Let me click on his name here on IMDb and see if he. Um, yeah, that was it. Well, I guess he played himself on some type of documentary in 2017 about Masters of the Universe. But that was his only. Uh, Appearance. I never knew that because I never watched this movie past the credits. I did not. Know, I honestly sure. did not know what well, it says here in Wikipedia in a post-credit scene. Taylor's yeah. head emerges from the water at the bottom of the pit, saying, "I'll be back." Right. I so never. I honestly never knew that cliffhanger that said that there was going to be a sequel that they decided to keep in there. I guess. Um, I don't yeah. know if it's in my version or not. We're going to see here in a minute. Yeah. Um, the credits aren't too long, but uh, yeah. One of those yeah, things where it's like, oh, there's going to be more, and then there never is. It's like, I hate stuff like that that exists where there was never yeah. a conclusion. Yeah, exactly. I mean, say what you will about Transformers the movie, but at least, you know, you know, let the Cybertronian war be over, till all are one. At least we had an ending. And obviously, right. Micron kind of stuck out at the end there, but I mean, whatever. At least it was an ending. It was not, right. oh, post-credits, whatever. Like I said, there was an alternate uh, introduction scene that featured Snake Mountain. In that scene, Tila was held captive in the dungeons of Snake Mountain. She escapes and helps several imprisoned resistance fighters outside. The scene ended up never being filmed, but it was used in novelizations and was mentioned in the official movie and poster magazine. So there was a shot of Snake Mountain at some point. So the sequel was going to take place 10 years after this in storyline. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. And this film is said to take place in Earth in 1986 and 1987. No wonder they had a cheap chicken place in the movie. I bet this movie... Go ahead. I bet this movie would have made more bank if KFC was the chicken place. Yeah, the film got a PG rating in America, England, Australia, and New Zealand, mostly due to He-Man smashing and fighting Skeletor's troops. (laughs) And probably all the guns and whatnot, I would assume. Yeah. Yeah, I do not have a 
post-credits scene? Oh, oh no, green. I do. I do. Oh. Yep. I see All the right. water. I see. Ooh, yeah. I see. His, oh, that's the first time I've seen that ever. Yours is ahead of mine, so I haven't seen that part yet. So let me okay. wait until I get to see it on mine because I'm sure our credit versions are different. No, they're, they're not. I just fast forwarded mine. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm like, I want to get to this already. Damn it. <laughs> Good Lord. We're in the credits, folks. So if you're listening to this still, thank you. Second of all, the movie's kind of over. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely true. I mean, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching it through again this time. I still probably will never watch it again after now. Now that we've done... And the funny thing is, folks, we were supposed to do this pad- podcast episode uh, something like two and a half, three years ago. Right. Because originally, back when we were supposed to do this, Karen and I were living in Gurney, Illinois, which is about mm, three hours away from you. Yeah. And you were supposed to come to the house, and we were supposed to do this live and in person and actually get to meet each other. But, oh, no. That didn't happen. No. Oh, wait. Anyway. Here, here. Oh, I can see the red water now. I can see the red <laughs> water and then Skeletor's head, which is very clean. And he says, I'll be back. It's <laughs> like Arnold. Um, it's creepy. It's great. I love how clean his head was because it was in the water. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, that's uh, Masters of the Universe. It's uh, not a great movie from any type of film standard, but uh, for... And I think like fans of the the franchise are split. Probably there's some people that probably like it, and some people probably that think it's too far away from what they were hoping for. So, but I don't know. It's a cult. It's a cult classic. I like it for what it is. Right. It's it's okay. There are moments at the end of the movie in the final battle. Obviously, you get the He Man scene with him pulling the sword out of the thing and having the I have the power thing, and then you have the thing at the end with him in front of Gray Skull thing. I like the battle with Skeletor, even though it's a battle with Blade more, you know. But right. I like that. I like the design on God like I, as a kid, and even 10 years ago when we did this for Movie Week in Review, which, again, as I said earlier, I will link in the uh, in the show notes on the, on the podcast episode post. I did not like God Skeletor back then, <laughs> and I did not like God Skeletor back as a kid because I wanted the purple, I wanted the this, I wanted the that. But now I kind of dig it. I think it's kind of cool to show, you know, what other color then gold are you going to take this character to right, that absolutely. shows he has more power than what he already even had. So I dig it. It's all right. It it works. If I'm rating this on the GCRN universal rating system, uh, um, it's somewhere between a two and a half and a three for me, somewhere between two and a half and three. I'm not that hard on it, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I give it a five. What? Um, no, I'm just kidding. I was, I was acting Wait a like on a ten point scale. Come on um, now. I give it like a yeah. If it was out of five, I'm probably giving it a two and a half, like yeah. maybe somewhere in there. Um, it's it's fine. It's what it, it lacks from a technical standpoint. It wins me over from just a fun nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Campy standpoint, so like it's right in the middle. It's not great for any means, but I don't think it's the worst thing I've ever seen. It's better than most video game movies. True. So there's and that. Just, 
And just for those that may not know, and the GCRN Universal Rating System is linked in almost every episode post of all of our podcasts on the GeekCast Radio Network. But just in case people don't know, I've actually been doing this when we've been rating stuff lately. 2.5, below average. The cons slightly outweigh the pros. While the negatives aren't overbearing, they are far too plentiful to make it worthy of a recommend. There may be certain redeeming qualities that are worth your time. However, in the end, the product leaves you wanting more. That could yeah. not be more descriptive. That, yeah, so my rating's a two and a half. Your rating's a two and a half. Because three That's is not average. I, would, I wouldn't recommend this to someone to watch like this unless they're a no, human. Yeah. Like, you're doing it like in a crappy movie night and you're just going to sit around and have fun and make fun of it. Like that could be fun, but it's not something that you can recommend like realistically to people to watch. Yeah, no, not at all. Not at all. Nope. All right. We are going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and let you know what's coming up next here on the Powers of Grayskull series. Because the world needs another movie podcast. The GeekCast Radio Network presents for your listening pleasure, The Cinema Geek. Hosted by Amanda, Kevin, Matt, and Dan. Each week we dive headfirst in the landscape of movies as we discuss movie news, play movie games, go in-depth on reviews, and even have a top ten countdown or two. Also, don't miss our director retrospective series where we review noted directors movies film by film bottom line is if you love movies and love podcasts you need to experience the cinema geeks you can find us on itunes blog talk radio or geekcastradio.com by the power of grayskull i command the jaw bridge open The Powers of Grayskull series will cover every episode of all four Masters of the Universe cartoons, Jordan Optimus Solo and myself, TF2 and Mike, as we tell tales of Eternia, discover the myths of Etheria, become masters in space, and finally masters of Grayskull. We'll have a commentary on the Secret of the Sword film and a few other special episodes. You can find this 125-episode-long podcast in iTunes and on the web at geekcastradio.com. By the power and honor of Grayskull, we all have the power. Hurry, Skeletor, hurry! I am hurrying, I'm hurrying! On the Simplistic Reviews Podcast, we talk movies. We talk TV. We talk... Hello, Julie, what the heck are you doing? Trying to make our spots sound more exciting by adding explosions. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you could have got the point across with sound effects, not the real thing. Car, car. Download the show on iTunes or at simplisticreviews.blogspot.com. I'm sure your insurance company will cover that. No, they won't. No, they probably won't. Thank you for listening to us as we are the Masters of Grayskull. Actually, we're just the Power of Grayskull series. Powers of Grayskull series now. If you'd like to get in contact with us or leave feedback for the show, there are several ways to do so. Visit the website geekcastradio.com where you can comment on this and all of our other posts from this podcast and all the other podcasts that we have on the network. Here are all the ways you can listen to us nowadays. Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, and of course, the home where our files exist, Spreaker. Leave the show's feedback in iTunes. Please do this. As far as I know, we do not have any new ones. I have not checked yet. I will for the 125th chapter of the show. Follow us on Twitter. At Geekcast Radio is the network. Twitter at Pow of Grayskull is the show. I am at TFG. And Mike, what is your Twitter? Mine is at Optimus Solo. Become a fan on Facebook. Go to Facebook.com slash Geekcast Radio Network. We hope you enjoyed the Grayskull goodness today. And don't forget to join us in our next adventure when we will take you back in time throughout the Pogs Decade of Decadence with the Powers of Grayskull series, This Was Your Life. For now, I am TFG and Mike with... 
Optimus Solo. By the power and for the honor of Grayskull, we have the power. Anyone want to see some magic? Yeah, I think you better do your disappearing act. Sometimes I feel that I am not appreciated. See you later, folks!